Yeah, you go ahead and give, you can clap for that. That, that is a life well lived. And it is the definition of what we're talking about out of Luke today. And I don't know if any of you, anybody in the room who ever was able to go to a Billy Graham crusade or uh, anything like that, let me see your hands. Wow, look, look around. Like that is a, a life well lived. And as we talk through what it looks like to be a servant this morning, um, I think, I don't know of a better person that we could have shown a video of. So let's, let's see what greatness looks like. Let's see what service looks like. You guys stand and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22 and starting in verse 24. Woo, got one woo, that's awesome. Let's, let's all read scripture together. Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 24. Uh, the subtitle here in my Bible says, who is greatest? So the message today is greatness, all right? Verse 24, and there arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. Now these aren't the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the other Cs. These are the disciples, those who are closest to Jesus who have been watching him do ministry. And so it says that there was a dispute, some strife, a struggle among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. 25. And he said to him, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you, but the one who is the greatest among you must be come like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that we get to come and we get to worship in a place like this. God, I, I'm completely blown away that you would even allow me to open your word to speak to these great people here today. There are so many hundreds of other people that could be here today standing behind this table, opening your word and reading your text. But God, I pray that today as we talk through what true service looks like, what greatness is defined by. You would be glorified and honored in this place and that you would call those who maybe have been sitting on the sidelines for far too long with wealth of knowledge that they've been carrying for way too long that they would begin to put it in service as they begin to serve you. Because truly you have defined what greatness is by those who would serve the greatest place for all of us as believers to serve is it's not uh, necessarily in a hospital, although that's great. It's not necessarily serving just out in the community somewhere, but it's here inside of your church where we get to share with a hurting and lost world what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And so I pray that today would be a calling for some, a, a recalling of others to continue to carry the mantle of what service looks like. Thank you for incredible people like Billy Graham who have carried that torch for so long now and now because of the great life that they live and because of their surrender to who you are, they are now experiencing everything that they were able to teach while on this planet. God, we love you. We honor you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. You are and should be the one that we serve the most with our lives. It's in your name that we pray it all and everybody said Amen. Here's the deal. Here's a definition, a, a good dictionary definition of the word greatness. The quality of being distinguished or eminent. 
a state of superiority. If you look in the Urban Dictionary, defined by the deeds of people that make this world a better place. Notice those aren't in any way what Jesus said is greatness. Go back to the reading. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. Obviously, inside of that group of disciples, there was uh, a hurting or a longing to want to be the one that was talked about the most, the one that was uh, patted on the back the most. And you know that if you're in church work long enough, you're not going to get patted on the back very often. In fact, it comes few and far between at times, but these guys wanted that. And so Jesus goes on a great discourse uh, with them about what it looks like, and then he winds up saying that I who am standing here with you, I am the servant. I am setting an example. So my question to you is, what example are you setting about what greatness looks like? Is it about your, your paycheck, your status? Is it about the car that you drive, the house, the address that you live in? Are those the things that are going in front of you to tell other people what greatness really is? Or is it Jesus that exudes from you and goes before you and then begins to change the hearts and minds of people around you as you do life living with your Savior? That's what true greatness looks like. And so often, uh, instead of living in greatness, we live with a great mess. When we try to be self-serving, when we try to do it on our own, how many of you have tried your best and you, you, you just failed at it when you were trying to do it all in your own strength and power? It always happens that way. So if you're here today and you're sitting there and you're trying your best trying to figure out, man, how can I be successful? How can I be top in everything? How can I be popular? How can people uh, love me? Here's something, uh, a blog from HuffPost, uh, nine common characteristics of people destined for greatness. Now, as I read these, please do not take these as endorsement. I believe that these are the way to get there, all right? And I think you'll see the irony in them. Number one, they are not humble. Number two, they're irrational. Number three, they don't believe in inspiration. Number four, they don't live balanced lives. Five, they are lucky. Six, they know how to be fake. Seven, they visualize their success to the point of certainty. Number eight, they ask great questions. And number nine, and we know that this is not the case of any of us, they never fail. But that's what these people are saying in HuffPost. This is what it takes to get to that place where people are gonna think, man, you, you have arrived. You are in the place of prominence. You are the people person of all people, people, and you are amazing if you can attain these nine things. And then you've got these celeb confessions that were in People Magazine. And we would look at them maybe and to think, oh, they've arrived too. And some of our teenagers may know more of them than you. But Selena Gomez, here's what she says about being famous. There's nothing but constant pressure. You want to be famous? You live with constant pressure. Lady Gaga, you belong to everyone else. Justin Bieber, people kick you when you're down. George Clooney, you can't enjoy simple pleasures. And then Daniel Craig of 007 fame says, everything you do in public will be photographed. What if there was somebody always chasing after you, following you, your every move, how you drive or whatever, you had your own paparazzi and, and they were taking pictures of your every move. That's the life of a celeb. Do you really want that? Like in your strive to be rich or famous, in your strive to, to be the most popular person out there, to have a million likes on everything that you post, like, is that really what you're striving for? Is that your definition of greatness? 
Well, obviously, this wasn't the first time and the only time that the disciples were having this kind of strife or struggle because if we look in Luke chapter 22, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 48, here's another time where it talks about an argument started among them as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him beside him and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. Has it changed your definition of greatness yet? Matthew 18, here they are in a struggle, a a conversation again. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself, set him before them, and said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Those didn't work. Mark chapter nine, verse 33. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he questioned them, what were you discussing on the way? Now, do you think Jesus needed to ask them? He was just letting them know, I heard what you were talking about. I'm with you in your discussions. If you think you're playing things or saying things behind Jesus' back, uh, skirt, you got another thing coming, all right? So here's what it says, verse 34. But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed again With one another, which of them was the greatest? Sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Man, so often, you know, we get it in our heads um, that, that being the one being served, like that's most important in our lives. Like, like to be the one sitting at the table and having others come to us. You've probably gone to a fancy dinner, I haven't been to many of those, where people come in and they serve you and they, they put everything there in front of you. Maybe you had a three or four or five or whatever course meal and there were people there that were serving you and serving you and maybe you just got this big head on you and you thought, this, I've arrived. One time I got to, ever in my life, one time I got to fly and it wasn't even because of me or who I was, but someone gave me a ticket to fly to Seattle and it was a first class ticket. You got to get on first. You got the big seat. You got to spread out. Like, it was amazing. But then the next time that I got to fly on my own dime and I began to ask the question, well, what is, how much is first class? And they told me how much first class was. And now I remembered why I went to the back of class because it's so expensive. But to know, that, like to have tasted that and to see, like it would be so easy to get into that mode and to think, oh man, I've arrived, I've arrived, I've arrived. Who was the greatest of all of them? Did it matter of those 12? Did it matter? Who was the greatest among them? It's your time to answer. Thank you. One person in the room. She got it, folks. Jesus. The whole story, the whole gospel narrative, all of this, it's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not how many people you can serve. I love kids' beach clubs, Jack, but it's not about you and how many people you got in your organization. It's about Jesus. And when we get to that place, then we understand that kids' beach clubs and everybody that jumps in there, upstairs in kids' world, across the street at the city, it's not about those people, it's about Jesus inside of those people and every one of you. We should be so contagious that when we live and do life, not just on Sunday mornings, there should be something contagious about us that people look at us and they go, Josie, what in the world do you have? And she's able to say, it's Jesus. And then they put two and two together 
It's a beautiful picture when we're doing what it takes instead of worrying about who gets the place of position. Was it possibly Peter who had been promised the keys of the kingdom? Was it John who had been able to recline at the master's bosom? Or was it Andrew who had been the first one to be called? It doesn't matter. The greatest is always the one who looks the most like, acts the most like, sounds the most like Jesus. So who do you act like? Who do you sound like? Who's coming off, off the tip of your tongue? Like, are people seeing and hearing you, or are they seeing and hearing Jesus? Because as servants, the greatest thing is going to be happening when we're showing them who Jesus is. If serving is below you, and you may be in here today, if serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. You can never serve as effectively in the kingdom if you're looking down your nose at other people and you think you're here, you've arrived, and you should be served. Church is not a place for you necessarily to come and be served. It is a place for you to jump in to the big opportunities that are here to be able to be servant of all. That's when it happens best. The opportunity of being served never makes you better than the one who served you. So today when you go out to Cheddar's or wherever it is that you're going, and you don't get the full service that you thought you were gonna get at Cheddar's, how will you react to those people? Because what I hear from a lot of waitstaff people, one who was on, who's on staff with me who used to serve uh, at Olive Garden, the worst possible day for most people is Sunday, directly after church services, where we talk about loving people and we talk about uh, maybe serving people well. More times than not, if they don't do you right, we don't do them right. Man, so think about that today. Think about what you would say to those people. Hey, we're about to pray for our food. What can we pray for you about? Hey, we're about to eat our food. Thank you so much for bringing that. Um, hey, is there anything going on in your life? Like just being able to be real with people. If we're gonna tote that as the, as the slogan of our church, as the heartbeat behind what we do, real people with real hope then we should live that out, whether we're at Cheddar's, we're in our own uh, home, or if we're out and where we work, like we should be living that kind of stuff out. When you care less who gets the credit and the honor, that's true service. When you could care less, when you take better care of those who took care of you or who are taking care of you, that's true service. Today, when you go and you pick up your child upstairs or you go into Kathy's world, and you look at those people who have been in there while you're sitting here and they are in there. Man, they love being in there. They feel called to be in there. But when's the last time you looked at them and told them thank you so very much? Because they're not just in there changing diapers. Like they are speaking truth over your babies. They're speaking truth. When you go upstairs to get your child, when's the last time that you grabbed the paperwork from their, the, the serving people's hands in there and said, hey, thank you for loving my kid? Because their job is to come alongside of you and to undergird what you're doing at home. And if you're not doing it at home, then guess what? They're doing a better job upstairs than you are because it was never doled out for them to be the only people teaching it. It's on you as a servant in your house. That's what you're called to do. That's what we're all called to do, and it just so happens that I get to do it across the street and have loved doing that for 13 years. But so often, parents pull, drop their kids off over there thinking that it's my job to raise them, it's my job to teach them, it's my, no, it is still your job. If you have kids in your home, you have kids in your life, it is still your job. It is my job on Wednesdays and Sundays. It's my job to live that out, but it is still your job. You're still the greatest one who can infect them with truth. 
You're still it. That's bad news for some of you. I hope it's not, but it's, it's good news. Here's the deal. You're never more like your Savior than when you serve someone else. You're never more like your Savior than when you serve someone else. It's a beautiful picture of what he did for them. And John, he, he, he took the, the, the bowl and he took the, the, the towel and he began to wash their feet. And in doing so, he set this beautiful example of what we should be able to do, that we should be able to stoop to a low level to serve no matter who it is. Think about this. Maybe some of you, you are uh, in school settings. Don't wanna step on any principal's toes or anything. But in a lot of school settings, if the principal's gone for a week, Maybe just maybe things can continue to go on. Um, maybe you're uh, in, uh, thinking through like government officials. Let's just say that the mayor of Euless is gone for a time or just pick another city. Or let's say the president is out for a week or two weeks or a month. Here's the deal. If any of those higher ranking officials, if, they're gone, if they've done their job and things can continue as normal, if they're gone for a month, if they're gone two weeks or whatever, Somebody's gonna notice, maybe. But if the trash collectors in your neighborhood, if they're gone for a full month, the teachers in the school classrooms, if they're gone for a full month, just, just think about the chaos. Think about, like, those who are in those lower positions that our world would look at and say lower positions. Man, that is the heartbeat of this country, making for sure that things are happening on that personal level, that one teacher to, <laughs> I know in Keller it's like, 25 to 35 students in those classrooms. Man, at that level, it is completely different than at that principal level. We love you principals, but if all of the teachers were gone for a given time, like it would be completely chaos in that school. Think about it. If everybody was in here and nobody was upstairs, who'd be teaching the kiddos? Like you've got to have, we've all got to have a different look as far as what it looks like to serve. It's either a greatness or um, greatness, right? It's either awesome, we're doing what God wants us to do, we're serving, uh, and that, that's a beautiful picture. The, and the second part of that is then we get to bless others. When's the last time that you were able to bless someone else? Like literally, you blew their mind in how, how much you blessed them. It's too long, right? Because every day living with Christ, like there's a new opportunity for us to bless someone else. There's an opportunity for us to continue that encouragement. Look at this, a great bless is serving others, verse 26 there in Luke 22. But it is not this way with you. The one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. You see, as people, just kind of out and about, John Q. Public, as people, we care more about popularity. Jesus cares more about humility. As people, more often, we, we care about power over others, maybe, but Jesus cared more about serving. And then as people, more often than not, we, we care more about politics, being politically correct in certain situations, but Jesus just had a passion for people. And inside of that passion for people, he wasn't always politically correct, but he always loved them. And there's a way so often that we miss out on being that blessing to others because we don't really give them the truth. We're so worried about politically being politically correct these days that we forget that there is truth and there is a standard. There is, there is in all of that. But there's also in greatness, there's the blessing of reward. Look in 28. 
Here's where it comes, because so often we feel like, okay, man, I've been serving, I've been doing all of this stuff. Where does the blessing come in? Look what he tells them right here, verse 28. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And please don't get in your head and in your heart. If you haven't come to that place where you feel like you have been uh, encouraged in your leadership and in your serving, man, just continue to do that. I don't know, John talked about it not too long ago, but um, have any of you guys seen The Case for Christ, the movie? Anybody in the room? A few of you. I would encourage all of you. I turned it on last night, um, didn't really want to get too involved in anything else. So on Netflix, I was sitting there and I thought, I'll just watch a little bit, I'll come back to it. I couldn't stop watching it. Because Lee Strobel, in his, um, in his really desire to continue to be an atheist, even after his wife comes to know the Lord, it's a beautiful picture of her continuing to serve him and love him and be that encouragement to him, even in his fight to try to disprove everything that she has come to know. But if you don't know the whole story, man, he's an atheist. He had dad issues um, his whole life. His wife, Leslie, comes to know the Lord because a nurse at a restaurant is how it's portrayed in the movie. A nurse at the restaurant actually saved their daughter who was choking. And through that process, Man, she just continued to love on her and continued to reach out to her and disciple her, bring her to church. Beautiful picture of what we should be doing and how it begins to change lives. So he spends the rest of that time uh, up until about a, an hour and 45 minutes in. He continues that whole time and he's going all over the country. He's talking to doctors, he's talking to lawyers, he's talking to all of these people trying to refute the case for Christ. But at an hour and 45 minutes in, beautiful moment. Don't wanna ruin it for you, but it's good. <laughs> it's real good. But this beautiful moment that he's there with his wife and everything that she had been praying for him, it all comes to fruition. And I'll let you go watch it and see that. But here, here's part of the prayer that he prays. Uh, I can't ignore the evidence as he's talking to God. I believe you're real. I want whatever is next. So let's do that. And that's him talking to God. Beautiful picture, 14 million copies of that book of him chasing after to try to be the servant to, to lead everybody away from Christ. Man, in all of that, God said, I got you, buddy. And he fixed it all to give God all of the glory and all of the honor. And it's a beautiful picture, but the beautiful picture in this is to see how when a dad comes to know the Lord, because six months after the dad came to know the Lord, the little baby girl, Allison, uh, I forgot what age she was, six months after the fact, she saw it in her mom, strife was there, Caesar dad changed. Six months later, man, she came to know the Lord as well. Beautiful, beautiful story. Here's the deal. Being a servant to others does not mean that we're gonna live these unrewarded lives. In fact, God's greatest servants receive the greatest rewards. And I would think that if Leslie were standing here today, she would tell you, yes, it was hard. Yes, it was difficult. But me continuing to serve my husband, continuing to love him, man, look at where we're at now. Look what God has done and how many people's lives have been touched and influenced and affected Greatness, the blessing of prayer. Man, I, I don't have a whole lot of time to go into all of this. But if you look in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go to both prison and to death. And we know the whole story of what happens with Peter. 
He looks at him and says, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. And his greatest opportunity to be a servant of the Lord, to come alongside him, even looking in Jesus' eyes and Jesus saying, hey, three times a day you're gonna fail me. Three times in my deepest, darkest need. How many times when we have been given those opportunities to come alongside Jesus and to serve, do we neglect to do that? Some of you are sitting on so much biblical knowledge, the wealth that is inside your head and heart. There are so many people that need that. There's so many people, there's so many children, there's so many teenagers, there's so many preschoolers, there's so many people in your Sunday school, classrooms upstairs, there's so many people that are sitting on pause waiting to learn from someone like you. Not to mention the people that are, that are in your cubicle next to you, the people that you work next to, the mechanic in the, in the bay right next to you. There's so many people that are waiting on pause because we have yet to open our mouths. True greatness is not in the power of your proclamation. It's not even in the power of your presentation or your persistence. The true greatness is found in the power of the prayers that Jesus is praying for you. Did you notice that right there? It says, but I, Jesus, verse 32, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And some of you are so worried about failing, not being good enough, not being a good enough teacher, not being well-versed in how to speak to others about Jesus, The beautiful thing is that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, and he is interceding on behalf of you. And so when you step out on faith and you say, okay, God, I want to serve. God, I want to do this. The cool thing is, is that it begins to be him and not you. He begins to use your voice, your hands, your body. He begins to use your resources to do great things when you say yes, when you put your yes on the table. If all of that wasn't enough, Jesus says this about humility. Philippians chapter two, verse three. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't just look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the deal. When God puts you on blast, when God begins to use you, when God begins to serve you, and you will settle for any title that he gives you, You will settle for any title. It just so happens that he's talking about Jesus here and Jesus has that name at which all of us should kneel and bow to, but he's the only one that we should. He's the only one that gets that privilege. So the rest of us, we serve. The rest of us, we hold our position and we do what God calls us to do. And some of you in this room, how many of you in this room right now, you serve somewhere inside the body of this church? Can I see your hands? Just wanna see. You can lie, I won't even know, I promise. That's between you and God. There's so many of you that are doing the work of serving the Lord. And I wish that we had time to let you all parade up here to say where you serve and what you do so that those whose hands did not go up would be able to hear what you're doing and go, I could do that. I could do that. 
think, some of you think that working with teenagers across the street, like that would be like so horrible or whatever. We've got incredible teenagers. And they just wanna hear your story. They, they wanna know that you love them. They wanna know that they can connect with you and ask you the big questions. Man, there's so many opportunities for you to serve. And so today, if you're here and you've got a, you've got a cell phone, pull your cell phone out. Everybody pull your cell phone out. Come on. You're like, we're in church, Kent. Come on now. Pull your cell phone out. If you're here today and you're sitting there and you're going, man, okay, this, this serving thing sounds great. And if Jesus is really calling us to that, then what do I do with that? How can I help here? We're gonna put it up on the screen. Interested in serving, okay? Text serve, S-E-R-V-E. Some of y'all laughing, but you better be texting, all right? Text serve to 63566. So at the top, for those of you who aren't tech savvy, at the top, where you would normally put a phone number, put 63566, and then in the message part of it, just type in the word serve. Some of you are doing it, taking notes. Now, push this end, and you'll immediately get something back. And that immediate something back gives you next steps, directions, and I promise you this, if you're serious about it, you will have someone from our staff that will follow up with you to help you because here's the deal. You will never be all that you were created to be until you do what God has created you to do, until you're being able to give and to serve and to live out what he's placed in you, you're gonna miss out. Here's the deal. You can't lead the people if you don't love the people and you can't save the people. You can't be in the process of saving people if you're not serving people just never gonna happen for you. Some of you, you, you'd love, you'd love to see people come to know the Lord. This is an incredible way to serve. Please keep this up. Please invite those people that you have been working on, God's put them on your heart. Please continue to do that. Great way to serve. I'm gonna read this one prayer request from one of our students, because it might, you might find yourself inside of this and you're going inside of a ninth grade young man's head. Maybe so. I need prayer. I need prayer to have more joy and hope in sharing Jesus with others. To step out in my faith because I just see how broken and lost everyone around me is. I lose hope and joy in sharing the gospel to people because everyone could care less. Yeah, but pray that I can have hope joy and confidence in sharing Jesus and stand up for my faith because I know how broken and lost I was and to know I'm called to this no matter the reaction. You see, some of us would pray that and we would champion that, but a lot of us, we wouldn't put that last piece on there. No matter the reaction, how many times have you just shut down because of the reaction? And that reaction is just their way of saying, I need more of it. I need you to continue. I need you to continue to pray for me. I need you to continue to have this conversation. I need more of you in my life. Their reaction at first may not show that, but it really is. It's a deeper picture. And what if, what if in the story of the case for Christ, what if the wife would have given up? What if she just would have said, I'm done? What if whoever led you to the Lord, what if they would have quit a day before? What if when you were sitting in your Sunday school class back in the day and you actually had that aha moment or you were at camp and the person that shared that with you 
They quit the day before. Don't ever tire in doing what is good and what is right in serving God. So we've given you opportunity to text it in. If you're one of those people and you love face-to-face interactions, you'd love to be able to talk to somebody today, right outside at Guest Central. We have turned that into Serve Central, just for you today. To be able to walk out there, to put your hand in somebody else's hand and say, hey, I really feel like I'm called to serve. It may be that you feel called to serve here and then all of a sudden you get there and you're like, man, that's not really my cup of tea. There's plenty of places. But I promise you this, you'll never get to the place you wanna be spiritually, emotionally, until you're in that sweet spot of really serving how Jesus wants you to serve. I promise you, you have so many opportunities here. So in these next few moments, you may have felt like this ninth grade young man just trying to figure out, man, how can I continue to show joy? How can I continue to lead and love others? Maybe that you wanna pray, you want somebody to pray for you today and helping you taking these next steps in serving. But it also may be you're saying, man, I can't serve because and I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. That's step one. It really is. You want some of those bigger joys and benefits of following Christ. It all starts on that day, that moment, that time where you surrender to him. Allow these servants that will be here. Y'all come on down. Allow these servants who are here on the regular, allow them to help lead you into that relationship with the Lord. And then begin to see from there. Y'all come on. It's all good. Continue to see what God would do as you take those steps. First, step one, you got to know Jesus. Step one, trusting him for your salvation. Trusting him to say, I am ready to jump in with everything that I have, just like Lee Strobel did, sitting in the living room with his wife. Beautiful picture. That can happen for you today, no matter what you're going through. It all, beautiful thing about Jesus, it begins and it ends in his presence. Everything in between, and we get to serve and love, all of those things come after we trust him. So let's stand together. I'm gonna pray us out of this day, uh, out of this time together today. As everybody else begins to walk out, John will meet with all of our first-time guests. We would love, he would love nothing more than for you to meet him out there. Um, Guest Central is right in the middle. Just go a little bit further, and you will find right there where our pastor's reception is. For you first-time people, man, we are so honored that you would join us today. But if you're here and you've never asked the Lord to come into your life or you've never jumped into the whole serving aspect of it, As everyone else is going that way, you be that fish that swims upstream and you come down here and you allow these people to love on you in an incredible way. God, we are honored that you would love us, that you would meet with us here in this place today, that you would call us to serve. And for those who are here like me, as a sophomore in college who felt completely unworthy to work with a group of students, completely underqualified, completely overwhelmed, Thank you that you use Bobby Smith in my life to show me what it looks like, to speak into me that I could do student ministry and to think all of these years later how many great opportunities I've been able to see with students coming to know the Lord, following in believers' baptism, and now who are leading their families. God, it's so encouraging to see what you do when we put our yes on the table. So I pray for those today who don't know you that they would put their yes on the table today in talking to one of these people, that they would put their yes on the table to say, I wanna serve in this place. And this place is uh, so beneficial for my family, for my kids. Man, I wanna serve in this place. 
And not out of duty or obligation, but out of an overflow of a calling that you placed on their lives. So God, whatever it is that you need to do today, and if it's just to tip the waiter, the wait staff today, and to share Jesus with them, then that's a huge win as well. Help us to be part of those who would serve and not those who always want to be served. For there is found true greatness. Jesus, thank you for being that example. We love and trust you because you have overcome the world. Amen.